0: Huge, but it might be like a Chick fil A meal with like extra nuggets. It's like a sandwich, fries, eight count nugget. That's literally it. Go through the rest of the night, train, and then I'll eat when I get home. Oh, yeah, you're under eating. Like yeah, crazy. I'm probably getting like 3,000 calories tops. Because the, the meal, like, what do you do at night? Big. Like, I'll like go hard, like, Wawa, hoagie, meatballs, like. You know, something else at home. It'd be
1: because that first meal is less than a thousand calories. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Chick fil A sandwich, fries, and nuggets, less than a thousand calories. Yeah.
0: That one's probably, that one's small. So for the
1: second one to hit 2,000 in a sitting, like that's 2,000 in a sitting is like two double bacon cheeseburgers and a large fry from five guys.
0: Yeah. So maybe it's under three. It's probably yeah. 25, maybe. Yeah. And I don't really get a lot of, uh, like, I don't really drink. I mean, I drink. Maybe like one soda with like, you know, the meal, like a small, I'll do like a little like eight ounce can. It's pretty yeah, bad. Probably
1: like 2,600-ish. Yeah. We're pretty much
0: good. We're in it. We're in it? Yep. Let's just dive right in. David, can you just jump, uh, can you hit that clock? I mean, I'll keep an eye on my phone as well, but what episode are we on? 30? Yeah, this would be 30. This is 30. See, so you're monumental. Sick. Right. It's like
1: raw 30th, and uh, here we are for this, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. The 30s are rolling. All right, guys, we're in it with another episode of Happy Power. This is episode 30. We have Jason Phillips on. He's the owner and founder of the Nutritional Coaching Institute. That's and Business Coaching Institute, right? Yeah. So we're happy to have him. He drove up from the D.C. area. Yeah, Northern um, Virginia. Three-hour drive. So we're just going to dive right in. When did you – I just want to jump right into the nutrition thing. We're already kind of talking about my shitty diet. (laughs) So when did you like first jump into the nutrition aspect, coaching all of that? Yo. All
1: right. So I don't know how much you know about my backstory. I was anorexic. Okay. Right. So 18, um, I had an eating disorder. I was 118 pounds and I was working the front desk at a gym. And one of the trainers was like, she saw what I was doing to myself. And she lied to me because I was like, there's a bodybuilder that would come in every day. He was prepping for nationals. And I was like, I want to look like that. Right. Like, Jacked, ripped, and she's like, oh I do is training and nutrition. And I was like, The well, fuck, can you do mine? Like, can you help me? And she was like, Yeah. She's like, Go eat 4,000 calories. Damn. And I like, so mind you, bro, like, I was probably eating like 500 calories. And she's like, I need you to eat 4,000 calories. And I'm like, All right, fuck it. Like, and it was 2002, so there's no like MyFitnessPal or like apps or any of that shit. Mm-hmm. So I went to Barnes and Noble, I got a calorie counting book, and I started writing 4,000 calorie meal plans, and I followed them every day and i remember like three weeks into it i looked in the mirror and i was like all right i'm not fat and i was like this food thing is not so bad and uh it was life-changing like i don't want to over drama like you know i don't want it to be like drama like and i don't want to make a huge deal out of it but it was a gnarly like low point in my life like i was suicidal like i had no relationships like my my relationship with my parents was bad like It was a really low point being an anorexic. And like I overcame that. I was happier. I started building friendships again. Like I felt like a normal 18, 19 year old kid again. And so I was like, man, like this health and fitness thing, it can change lives. And I want to use that vehicle to help people. And so I, my boss at the time, he had gotten his exercise science degree from Florida State. So I was like, I'm going to go do what he did went to florida state got my degree exercise science and like just helped anybody i can like i was that dude like in college if you had health and fitness questions you came to me yeah um i worked at the supplement store like i helped all the frat boys like the girls that live next door like one was like a culinary arts major i'm like you cook my food i'll help you with your diet like i was like that meathead in college yeah and uh man i just got into it like i loved it and um i never i always loved like the empirical side of it not necessarily, like, the research side. So people all the time, like, I'll meet them and they want to talk, like, research and, like, Lane Norton-style science. And I'm yeah. like, yo, like, Lane's a scientist. Like, he knows way more than I'll like, he's probably forgotten more than I'll ever fucking know. <laughs> but, like, empirically, I love to be in the trenches. And mm-hmm. so I've tried every diet you can ever imagine. I've documented what it feels like. You know, the shit that you go through, like the physiological responses to it. And I feel like going through so much of that has actually shaped my methodologies. And then ironically, once I go through it and once I understand the physiology, then I'll investigate the science as to why I felt that way, why I performed that way or didn't perform that way. And I've actually backed myself into a lot of the methods that I would say have brought me to a reasonably high level as a coach and obviously building NCI.
0: Yeah. I feel like I was I went on a rampage a few nights going through your profile, watching a lot <laughs> of your uh reels and stuff like that. And I feel like you're a uh, very kind of uh I don't know, it seems like applicable information. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that's what I like because some people they're like throwing all this stuff at you and you're like, you know, it sounds good, but it's just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about really. You know what I mean? Like how does it apply to like a normal person with a normal job or even somebody who has an abnormal job like again, we were kind of talking about my diet and I start my day, you know. I just I just go like yeah. I just get up, go. By four o'clock, I'm like I haven't eaten shit today. Yep. And then I'll get I you know we'll just say Chick Fil A eighty percent of the time. Then I finish the rest of the day. I'll train at like ten p.m. and then I don't eat again until like midnight. And I just like fucking throw down as much as I can. Yep. Go to sleep a couple hours later. I'm like this can't be uh, <laughs> sustainable. Like, but at the but right. at well know. it's sustainable. Yeah, it may not be optimal, yeah, but it's yeah, sustainable. It's definitely not optimal. But yeah, like what what do you say about some of the nutritional timing aspect? Because that's always like something I hear about people like nutritional timing. Let's just let's just talk, let's just use me as the yeah. the example and like well, performance wise, like what like what would you recommend?
1: Before we even jump into that, really quickly, like if you zoom out and you look at nutrition, like science hasn't changed since like evolution right like the human body physiology it functions the fucking same mm-hmm. right like our heart still beats blood circulates throughout our body like our understanding of it continues to improve every single day and the methodologies that we use to manipulate that understanding continue to improve every single day but like when i built nci my greatest challenge was like how do i take science and rewrite science and i i couldn't fucking do it right like precision nutrition existed issa like all the other textbook things and I'm like there was this massive problem, right? Where all the science in the world was out there, but I'm like most nutrition coaches, in all honesty, they still suck. And I don't yeah. I don't say that negatively. I say it in the sense of like they're super smart. They mean really well, but they can't create a result for the people that are coming to them, which is a massive problem. Yeah. Right? Like I know when I first started, I saw three like registered dietitians when I was anorexic before I met this coach. And even though she gave me horrible advice, I would never say I'd give an anorexic 4,000 calories ever, like terrible <laughs> advice, but like she got in the trenches and tried to understand where I was at, whereas like a registered dietitian was like, oh, you're just got to do this and this. And it was like blanket textbook advice that just didn't apply to me like in the real world. And then so like that brings me to like your situation. I guarantee you there is not a textbook written that says Colin Whitney comes into your office as a nutrition coach and is running two gyms and has a successful business and wakes up and doesn't eat until four o'clock and then trains at 10 p.m. at night, how do you fuel this guy? Like, there's no book, right? And so, like, you have to be able to take the science and you have to be able to take that into real-world application as a coach, take the principles of, you know, physiology, metabolism, biology, all the sciences, and then create real-world application. Then you have to connect enough with the consumer or the client to get them to follow that it has to be sustainable. So like for you, dude, you got two gyms, you got, you guys are hosting meets and shit here. Like you're a busy dude. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like, well, you got to eat at these specific times, you're like, fuck off. Right. And so like, even though I mean, well, we have to meet somewhere in the middle of what's optimal and what's sustainable. And I think those are always the best diets. So, you know, unpacking kind of where you're at, um, the first question I would ask you is You get up every day, I think like eight, nine, 10 ish, somewhere yeah, in there, so right? It just varies. Depends right. on when I. But like late out morning, before, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you don't eat till four. Is that by choice or. Yeah. I mean, I've never been big on like waking up and eating right away. I feel like every time I wake up and eat right away, it's yep. just, like doesn't settle right, makes me more sluggish, yep. slows me down. So my question then would be, What are you eating at that time, right? Yeah. And so the I would want
1: to dig in and be like, Have you ever eaten a breakfast where you didn't feel that way? And the the only reason I'm asking the question is the single biggest thing that we're facing with you right now is overall caloric load. Mm. You have – I don't know where you're at like in your training cycle, but I would assume off-season unless you're like yeah, in meat yeah, prep, no, right? It's, it's, it was very off-season. Okay, yeah. so we're off-season right now. So like when I look at a, a periodization schedule, off-season for you, this is strength gains, right? Like you're putting yeah. on – you're at least like – you're blocked to pursue strength gains, right? Yeah,
0: I mean – As of now, it's been like dealing with injuries and all of this. So it's even like, it's like maintenance. I'm like, yeah, I'm like just trying to like get a little pump in on occasion. Okay. So
1: if we look at that, like let's change the goal, then it's recovery mode. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working with you, I think we would agree. The short-term outcome is like, let's get you healthy Mm -hmm. so that we can facilitate future strength gains. Right. So that's the first step we would take is we're on the same page. So if you come into me and you're like, bro, I'm not PRing, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like we had the same conversation that like the whole goal right now is recovery. So if your strength stays stagnant, you're getting pumps, but your joints don't hurt anymore, your sleep is better, you wake up with more energy, you've got more focus throughout the day. All right, now we're winning, right? We could probably throw in lab work. We could go purely on physiology, whichever way you want it to go, but we would jump in and say the, the sole goal of phase one of our program is to facilitate recovery, which most coaches should consider. That's probably where you should start most clients. Most clients come to you with some sort of dietary history, something that just wasn't correct, and they probably have some issues they need to address. I mean, if we think about it, homeostasis is where we are going to make most gains from. Because every time you navigate from homeostasis, your body's throwing up compensatory mechanisms to throw you back to homeostasis. Like simple example, you go in a calorie deficit, what happens? You get hungry. Mm -hmm. Why? Your body wants you to eat more to go back to homeostasis. You go in a calorie surplus, what happens? You lose hunger. Why? Your body wants you to eat less to go back to homeostasis. Well physiologically it's the same thing and you know when we see powerlifters or we see crossfitters or we see high level athletes going out there and they continue to overreach further and further and further away from physiology what happens We see injuries, we see, uh, you know, things that we don't want to see, why the body is intentionally breaking itself down to bring it back to that, you know, centralized homeostatic state. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we want to do is recreate that balance for you. Now, once we've done that, we get into the off season. Now let's look at this and say, okay, cool. Have you ever had a breakfast that didn't leave you feeling like that? And If the answer is yes, it's like, okay, cool. Let's start to address that because we need to increase caloric load. I don't like shoving. 4,000 calories into a super small window because I think you'll probably feel like shit. Yeah. Um, if you haven't, okay, cool. Then we just use a morning fast. No big deal. Probably investigate what's happening in that fast. Are you using caffeine? Is there other things you're trying to achieve in that time? Really innocuous to like the overall profile, but it's something I would want to explore. Mm-hmm. You say you eat at 4 and then you train at 10. That's a significant window, yeah. right? Now, what most people don't understand is it's not as... It's not as bad relative to fuel as most people think because it really takes three, four, five hours for food to actually become that usable fuel unless you're using something like a high molecular weight carbohydrate or, you know, unless you're like a bodybuilder and you're using exogenous insulin or something like that. Right. Um, So really the fuel that's carrying you into the workout is that meal you ate the night before plus that like six hour out meal. So it's not terrible that you do that. I would just say, like, how's your blood sugar during workouts? Do we get tired really easily? Do you lose focus really easily? Are you able to stay strong throughout the whole session? If the answer is yes, I wouldn't change a ton around that structure. Mm -hmm. Then it sounds like you've got a significantly longer post-workout window. I would probably just extend that, make it easier to digest, and then we'd look at, like, the sleep quality. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, so that's actually one of the things I was going to bring up, too, is because, you know, so if I eat, let's just say I eat at 3 or 4, I'm never training before. 10 yep sometimes i'm deciding like should like because usually you know by about 8 eight 30 i'm like i could probably eat again sure but should i yep. sometimes i do sometimes i don't now actually i've kind of just opted not to yep because i just end up feeling worse so what I'm do think, you eat
1: if you if you ate at eight like what would you like
0: eat? it could just be like a single like sushi roll yep So like nothing crazy usually that like sits pretty well with me and it's not like I'm not like stuffed But even that it'll just kind of have me a little bogged down. I feel like when I start to train
1: So it's interesting you're seeing two different phenomenons at play, right? So one if you're going to eat that close to training, we're looking really at blood sugar regulation That's really all that meal is going to do It's it's not going to it it might provide small amounts of immediate fuel, but not a ton not as much as most people think Mm -hmm. Um, What I would opt for if you're going to do that is a protein carbohydrate combo that digest quickly and easily like you just you don't want to be fighting digestion while you're trying to facilitate strength right, right. Um, now when you train without that right the closer you are to a fasted state the more cortisol starts to rise and obviously when we go in and train that creates a cortisol elevation as well so when we go in with high cortisol we get in a sympathetic nervous system environment fight or flight under the bar it raises again you have a shitload of hormone at play and so you probably feel better lifting Right and that's what you're describing you feel better the problem is that's going to be temporary You're going to be able to do that three four six eight months at max and all of a sudden you're going to hit a wall And you're gonna be like why the fuck is it not working anymore And it's because what happens is you actually run out of your ability to produce cortisol at a high level Right physiologically, we would probably see something off in like your DHEA to cortisol ratios. But if we did like a, a time saliva test over four times, you would see like um, probably not like less than optimal cortisol timing right throughout the body, or just an inability to produce cortisol at all. Um, in the absence of cortisol and in the absence of fuel, you're going to just be weaker, right? Yeah. So close to competition times, I would be all about it leverage the hormone, feel what it's like to be fight or flight, crush it. When you're really far away from that, I would say eat the food so that you're using fuel way more than you're using hormone. Okay. Uh, like a really good example is when I cut UFC fighters, um, I'll typically have them eat their last meal pre-fight, like ninety to two, like ninety minutes to two hours out, and it's super light. It's just protein, carbohydrate, and they'll always say like thirty minutes out, I'm hungry, and I'm like perfect. Because that hunger signals to me, cortisol is starting to rise. You got to do it across the octagon that wants to fucking kill you and hope the ref stops it in time. Like, I want you as close to fucking fight or flight as we can get so that you're on guard, so that you're, you know, optimal defense and you're ready to take their head off too. Um, And so in in athletic situations, I'm always trying to facilitate that and take advantage of every ounce of hormone that we can. But in training scenarios, we don't want to do that. And you know more than anybody, there's a difference in competing and, and training.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. So have you uh, started working, like we'll use the UFC guys. Yeah. Have you started working with a UFC guy who was doing it another way? And then once you came in yeah. and implemented it, He would, like, what was the feedback?
1: Yeah, so I worked with um, Luke Sanders, actually, and he had worked with, I won't say names, but he had worked with another well-known, two other very well-known nutritionists uh, before me. So one, I shadowed, I just was there to like, he was a friend of mine. He used to uh, he used to date Becky Lynch uh, from the WWE, okay. and she's a very good friend and client of mine. Nice. And so I was just like, Yo, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna help out as much as I can. And I was I was brand new in like the UFC scene, so like I I was like, I just want to learn. You know, I want to be around it. And uh, so I like cooked his food for him that weekend. I was his bitch in Vegas like that whole weekend. Um, it was uh, when he fought Yuri Alcantara, and um, he. I just, I remember being puzzled by like a lot of the things they were doing. It seemed really excessive. It seemed like nuanced to a level that just didn't make sense. Um, And I remember he had a really tough weight cut, ultimately made weight, um, ultimately like got disqual, or like lost a point in the first round, ended up getting tapped out, right? Mm -hmm. Then I watched his second camp from the outside looking in, didn't have any advice. I literally just watched, I didn't go to the fight. And I'll never forget, like, dude's got a chin on him, like, and he got hit and knocked out. And I'm like, it was really fucking weird. Like, and I remember the night before, Andy Galpin had texted me and was like, yo, your boy's here. Like, it's tough. Like, it looks really bad. And I'm like, weird. Like, so when he got knocked out, I was like, what happened? He's like, bro, I, I don't know. And so I asked him, like, his, hydra- his rehydration protocol. And it was just way off. And that's when he was like, bro, like, I, you know, I see what you've done with Becky. Would you do a fight for me? And I was like pressures on I gotta perform right and so I was like yeah I'll do it um, shout out to my boy Tyler mitten who like helped me with like the rehydration this was my first time he like verified everything I was doing but um, like when I first came into that I was like there were so many variables that most people just weren't looking at mm-hmm. um, it was all about making weight and nothing else and I'll never forget I was like well if you're making weight at 135 what are you gonna fight at and he was like 155. And I was like, all right, so like imagine you powerlifting, training at, you know, t- what do you weigh right now?
0: Like 240.
1: 240. And then you go in and I need you to do a high rep set, but you weigh 260 pounds tomorrow. What's your breathing going to be like? <laughs> yeah, It's going to be, it's gonna be yeah. shit, yeah. right? Just from those extra 20 pounds. Not because you're detrained, not because you're weaker or anything like that, just because we added weight in a scenario where cardio is demanding. So I'm like, I need you training as close to fight weight as possible for as long as possible. So that creates the conundrum because UFC is like, you should be within 10% going into the final week. So I'm like, all right. 10%, 135, we realistically need to be like 148, 149 going into fight week. I can hold you at 53 to 55, which is where he likes to fight as long as possible, calories as high as possible, but show ourselves that we can dip that weight anytime we want and so what we would do is we'd create dips in his weight but then i would bring him back up and for him mentally it was like he was like bro are you sure we're gonna make weight like i got you like the fact that your body is able to drop weight as quickly and on demand as we want shows like metabolism's in a good place recovery is there and he's like i've never felt so good in camp like this is weird but i'm worried i'm gonna miss weight and i'm like i got you i got you and so sure enough like um you know, not to, if you want to go into the science of weight cuts, but um, really there's four variables at play when yeah. I work with a fighter and it's, um, you know, the first thing is water intake because we know when we flood the body with, flood the body with water. We can shut off the hormones, mm-hmm. right? Aldosterone and ADH will shut off. Your body will start pissing out extra water. So that's the first variable. We water loaded them a little bit. Now, obviously you do risk losing electrolytes. So we address that later. Um, the second thing obviously is food intake. So we manipulate your carb intake. Every gram of carbs, 2.7 grams of water. We know that. Drop your carbs. We start pissing out more water uh the next thing is electrolyte intake so we could cut out all sodium you'll piss out more water and then the fourth thing is your ability to sweat now most people fuck this up because they start trying to sweat too early in a weight cut and so for us we're like yo i don't need you to sweat until the very last day and so he's like are you sure i can't sawn on monday i'm like you can't sawn until thursday are you sure i can't sawn on tuesday no bro you can't sawn until thursday and like we went back and forth and sure enough he went in he cracked it was literally like 40 minutes of like light assault bike in a sauna he cracked he was on weight he's like this is the easiest cut of my life woke up the next day fight a knockout of the night Hennenborough in Phoenix yeah like 50 grand bonus everything and and he'll tell you to this day best camp of his life and like you know uh, I worked hand in hand with the guys at fight ready for it even fight ready was pushing back on me they're like why isn't he lighter early and I'm like this is the optimal way in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to look at that and be like, yeah, you could bring him down early and, and blah, blah, blah. Everyone's got a different way of doing it. I'm not saying my way is the perfect way. I'm just saying this way has gotten results for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, a crazy one. I, um, I worked with a fighter. I won't say his name out of respect cause he's got other coaches, but I worked with a fighter out of NorCal um, who his, his cut wasn't going great. And he like, one of my friends happened to be in the gym with him and they're like, just call Jason. He'll help you. And like, Everything that I was doing was different than what his nutritionist had wanted. And I was like, I'm here for advice, but I'm not here to step on toes. And that's something I'll never do. Like, I mean, it would be like somebody, you know, you giving somebody like warm-up sets or whatever for a meet, and their coach is like, No, I do it a completely different way. Like, you gotta roll with what got you here. Yeah. Um, and so I think in that in that point, the role of a coach is just to give you confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I was just there as a sounding board, tell me what you're gonna do. All right, sounds reasonable, like if it fucks up too bad, I'll, I'll manipulate something. But I just became a sounding board for him and honestly did nothing. Um, and he went in he won the fight, so.
0: Dang, I feel like with the UFC guys, do you think that's something they're starting to come around to? Because I feel like for the longest time, it's like some of those guys are like blacking out on the scale afterwards. Like, feeling. then they would mention they felt like shit in the fight. There's like, you, it's always a common topic, like, UFC is like my favorite sport. I love now. UFC, bro. I don't even fucking watch football anymore. Like,
1: yeah, why don't we all go to a fight, so? Yeah, <laughs> for real. I, I'm in
0: whenever, but yeah, I feel like they're starting to kind of come around to like some of the better weight cut protocols and stuff like that. Like, when did you notice? Like a tr- like how long ago was like when you were? Are you still like?
1: I don't do a lot anymore. And, and shout out to like Duncan French and the guys over at UFC UFCPI. Um, they've done a really cool thing. They've actually made it free for fighters to get proper advice um and so they obviously open up the performance institute in vegas if you haven't Mm -hmm. been out there it's nuts like if we ever go to a fight in vegas i'll set us up a tour it's fucking insanity um and they uh they provide all the food for the fighters Mm -hmm. through trifecta so like literally they get all the food to their house it's like eat this at this time Hmm. and they have made it so easy the The dehydration, the rehydration, like, it's on point. They're studying shit all the time. Uh, You know, they've got several interns in there all, like, going for their RD. So, like, you've got some reasonable talent, like, good IQ. But, uh, like, what Duncan and Forrest and all the people at the PI have tried to do in terms of, like, raising the bar has been amazing. And you're starting to see the guys that were, like, half-assed into it. You're starting to see them forced out. Um, You know, it, it sucks because cutting a fighter was really lucrative right like i used to be able to get 20 30 grand for a camp Mm. um you know now i get zero dollars because the ufcpi doesn't charge you so uh you know i think guys like tyler are some of like uh tyler andy galpin dan garner um they're some of like the last few that are you know dan dan works with sean o'malley and so sean won't won't touch anybody but dan um and rightfully so dan's amazing super smart guy um But there's a few that still do it, still charge, and because they've been in the game for so long. I was still new to the game when the PI came around, and only had a handful of clients. And to be fair, it's it's so time consuming, and I'm such a perfectionist. Like if you're around me during fight week, I guarantee I'm the biggest ball of stress because I just I don't want them to miss. Like that's 20% of their purse that's on me. Like Mm -hmm. it's 100% on me. Mm -hmm. And then it's like the worst text to send is like two hours before the fight like yo good luck because at that point you no longer have control i have control of the journey up until two hours out then it's like you got to go in the cage and you got to do you and i have no control if you get knocked out or if you knock them out and that fucking sucks so um but it's fun man like i still i love it i love the science behind it it you know, again, like I've done so many things personally. I've overhydrated. I've dehydrated. I've fucked around with electrolytes. I know what it feels like. I've gone in, tried to perform. And, and I think that that's what's allowed me to help guys at the
0: high level. Yeah. Do you think, uh, like some of them that feels like they cut a shit ton of weight? Yeah. Like, I, I love to hear, like, Khabib and like Islam, they're at like 190 and they're getting down to 155. Like, I guess from an outside looking in, you're like, well, they're doing something, right? They're like the best in well, how the about, world. How about Patty? Oh yeah, no, that's what I mean. And like, he with his, like he like he would. I don't know. Habib was pretty bad too with some of the fluctuations. But, well, like, Habib this weight a lot, and, yeah. then he, and
1: then he met Tyler, and Tyler helped him. Um, so that was the first time. Like I think Habib got with Tyler. He he won a fight, and then he realized like it, it matters. Um, Habib obviously trained with Daniel Cormier. Yeah. And Daniel's, like, Tyler was Daniel's guy. Okay. And so I think that, like, Daniel got Habib's head on straight. And obviously, probably the greatest fighter to ever live, right? Yeah. Undefeated. I, I wouldn't want to fight Habib right now. like. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, man. There's, there's part of it where I think that they're fighting at an artificially low weight. Again, like, if you're making 155, you're fighting at 175. So the, you know, the real cut is to 75. Mm-hmm. Because after that, it's all water for the most part. And then it's like, did you get to 75 the right way? Because if you got to 75 the wrong way, 55 is impossible. But if you got to 75 the right way, 55 is easy. People don't understand how how easy it is to lose 20 pounds of water overnight. A lot of these guys that take fights last minute, they're at an advantage when it comes to the weight cut. They're not an advantage for the fight, but they're at an advantage to the weight cut because it's like, yo, you've been eating and drinking fucking everything. Mm -hmm. Clean it up for six days and then sweat. And it's easy to get the weight off, but your cardio probably sucks. You're not used to being in that environment. And so, like, obviously, it is a disadvantage in the fight. But yeah. that's why a lot of those guys don't struggle with weight. Um, I remember Chael Sonnen on uh, ESPN was like, yeah, you know, only, like, he's like, I'll brag because I, I lost, like, 26 pounds in, in a day. Yeah, And he's like, you know, he's like, we hold that shit as, like, a badge of honor. And I'm like, psychos, man, that's like, crazy. psychopaths. But it's, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, I guess the bigger you are, the easier it is to lose. Yeah. But it's... Again, you've been eating and drinking everything inside. I mean, take take Chick-fil-A out of your diet and put in vegetables. Take whatever you – you know, your concoction at, like, midnight and, and yeah. you know, put in fucking vegetables. Yeah. And drink some water and, you know, take some herbal diuretics. Like, how much weight do you think you could lose in three days? Oh, Probably 20 lot. pounds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I drop weight really quick. That's – like, I would always, like, go into a meet. I'd have a beer the night before, beating, like, wings. And everyone would be like – You're like seven pounds over. I'm like, I'm gonna wake up right where I need to be. And I would literally wake up right where I need to be. Like I kind of knew where I would drop, regardless of like what I was doing, where I was at. So And again, there's
1: no nutritionist in the world, I promise you, that's listening to this that is like the protocol to drop weight (laughs) is a beer and wings. (laughs) But that being said, if a nutritionist is working with you and you're like, This is how I've done it, we need to sit down and we need to look at it. We need to understand the mechanism of action and we need to make sure that we put you in an environment where you're comfortable and where that mechanism of action can continue to work. Cause the last thing I would ever do is tell you to change anything that has worked for you, right? Like there is such a level of confidence that I think we have to observe with lifters, with fighters, with athletes, mm-hmm. when you step on the platform, right or wrong, the single greatest like asset you're going to have is your confidence. If you feel solid under the bar, you're probably going to get the lift. Yeah. If you're questioning it because you tried something new last night and you feel a little bit off, you might miss the lift. And I don't want to fucking be the reason for that. Yeah. Now, I might try to get you to, like, mock a competition, like, in the off season, mm-hmm. and try a couple other different protocols and see if we can really get you feeling another level. Yeah. But if we haven't worked together and that's our first meet, I guarantee you that's
0: what we're doing. Hmm. What would you say is some of the most common mistakes with the weight cut? I know you already mentioned kind of sawning. Using trying to do too it early. too
1: quick, too fast. Hmm. It's You have to be patient. Um, I'm a fan of starting... Seven days out.
0: Okay, that's another thing I was going to ask. Yep,
1: I like starting seven days out. The water load usually starts to see the scale go down within the first 36 hours. You can usually leverage that for 48 to 72 hours. So you get two to three days out of that alone, you'll see the scale go down. And then you have to understand that you have those four variables at play, and you only need to use each one individually, not all together, Mm -hmm. right? So... My order of preference is the water load, the carbohydrates, the electrolytes, and then manipulating intake slash sweat. Um, But if each one gets you like three pounds, I mean, that's 12 pounds, and that's on a lightweight dude. On a bigger person, you know, you get five pounds out of each one, that's 20 pounds. And that's super safe, right? None of those are extreme. You're still getting in plenty of proteins and fats. You're still getting in calories. Obviously, you have to change a training stimulus. Um, I think that's probably, if I was looking at mistakes, I think people don't look at like intake relative to training stimulus. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that would work if somebody was training super intensely the whole week. Right. So like if we go and they're trying to train really intensely all the way up to the fight and I'm pulling out any of your ability to recover, your body's just going to shoot cortisol through the roof and it's going to hold on to every ounce of water. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to match up with training stimulus. But I think at that level, it's usually understood um, at lower levels. It's less understood and people yeah. think that they can outwork it. So they put, you know, the the. Um, the fucking sweet sweat on yeah. and the abilene or whatever and they're like oh, i'm gonna go work my ass off and i'm like don't fucking shoot your cortisol through the roof man yeah. like you'd be better off chilling and sweating <clears throat> so um probably those are the two biggest mistakes
0: would you say there's any difference in like the protocol from like a two hour weigh-in because 100 kind of, okay massive difference all right, all right. yeah because yeah, like 24 hours i know like even just from doing things myself and kind of having an amateur kind of perspective on like cutting i'm still like obviously notice a massive difference between 24 hours versus two hours. So you have
1: to, you have to remember too, it's not just glycogen, it's not just muscles that you're dehydrating. It's the brain that you're dehydrating. Mm -hmm. And you can rehydrate a muscle very quickly. You cannot rehydrate a brain very quickly. And so in combat sports, like the more, the, the longer you're dehydrated, the longer you need to rehydrate the brain. And so our goal in combat sports is really and that's why they all wait till like the last day to do the cut I'm trying to wait till as late as possible to actually cut then i'm trying to hydrate the next morning before the scale my favorite like Mental trick was to always send my fighters to the scale with a jug of water in hand and their opponents like what the fuck And they're like on weight and they're just chilling, right? And i'm like my guys don't suffer like they don't suffer at all in a two-hour thing A, you can't, you can't recover in two hours, right? I mean, the first 60 minutes of a long dehydration are very critical, but you're also at risk for digestive issues. And we're all aware of that and we all plan for that. But if you only got two hours to rehydrate, man, you shouldn't be planning for very long to dehydrate, which also means you shouldn't be planning to gain a lot of weight. So you should have lost most of the weight pre dehydration. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really a fine line and lifters are different. Some people all have wake up on weight, eat normal, like limit limit the water intake, not eliminate, but limit. And there's a big difference because dehydration can kill performance faster than anything. Um, and I think a lot of lifters fuck that up. I think they're like, oh, well I'll just eat and I won't drink. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. Um, (laughs) if anything, I'd rather you drink and eat less because hydration will give you better performance than any amount of food will. Your body will go back to the day before to get the food. Um, I I think that people just don't really plan. They don't really think about it. And it's like, you know, I I used to do it with only lifters and I would see Olympic weightlifters go in and they're like sweating their ass off all the way. And then they're like, all right, how do I rehydrate in 15 minutes? And I'm like, you don't. Yeah. Like, you don't. But I'll tell you the secret, man. It's chocolate-covered cashews. Oh, really? Every PR I've ever, like, been a part <laughs> of, I'm like, you got to eat chocolate-covered cashews pre-lift and in-between lifts. Yeah. It's, like, my go-to. I don't know why. There's absolutely zero science with that. All right. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And you'll try it, and you'll PR your lifts, yeah, so. Yeah, clip that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Is weightlifting two-hour weigh-ins, or are those? Yeah, I think uh, they're one hour. One hour? I think hour? they're 60. Damn. Yeah. I used to see people... And usapl fuck this up all the time like you know trying to make crazy cuts underperforming every meet and i'd be like you're not figuring it out yet like right. you literally come in feeling like dog shit yeah what do you think's gonna happen you're in a performance sport like you're gonna lift your heaviest on a day where you're fucking depleting yourself dehydrating yourself so that's wild yeah that's good though i feel like a lot of uh you know a lot of the power lifters will hopefully get a lot of good info on that i
1: think it like when in doubt Cut less and just lift a little heavier, yeah. right? I mean, unless you're going for, like, world records and, like, That's, something's on the line. But, I mean, for most of the people that are, like, listening, you're not trying to break a record. Just yeah. lift a little
0: heavier. That's exactly what and I And have a better everyone.
1: experience and, yeah. like, fuel yourself. Eat a little more. Like, make the most of it. Have an enjoyable day. Yep. Um, I would say 90% of the people I work with would benefit from that advice more than, hey, here's a crazy cut that we could do. And don't get me wrong. I'm a firm believer everything's possible, mm-hmm. and I'll make it work. Like, I'm, I'm good enough on that side, and I love it. Like, give me a really complex problem. I love solving it. Yeah. Um, but I don't fucking like
0: having it all the time. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the people, unless, yeah, unless you're actually like competing for the top spot, like you're going to win nationals or you're going to break the world record. It just doesn't seem worth it. And I have like, Austin, remember Hung Mai? Yeah. So Hung Mai, one of my like first clients, we went to nationals, USAPL nationals, like the biggest power to meet for us at the time. And he he was way overweight tries cutting literally weighs in point like two over (laughs) so they won't let him compete ends up uh he gets to compete the next day he just has to go up the weight class so he ends up going competing the next day he put on a little bit of weight ends up like finishing like 14th there was like 100 in his weight class so it's pretty good he's yeah pretty solid we literally looked and seen like where he would have finished the same total in the other weight class and it was like damn near the same so it's like competitiveness like you could have literally improved if you would have came in a little heavier. You would yep. have, you would have actually. There's no doubt in my mind he would have finished even higher. Had he gone in and the fueled higher fuel into that? Class. Yeah, if he was yeah. fueled up properly without all that stress and trying to cut 12 pounds and two hours, whatever it was, it was something ridiculous. And uh, yeah, it just like well, my, at a my whole thing level. is this.
1: Like you've trained. I mean, how long is a is a typical training cycle for a meet?
0: Usually for me, I I like to get about 16 weeks. Okay, yeah. so
1: you train 16 weeks. And you do majority of the same shit for 16 weeks, pre-workout, post-workout, you know, intro workout, whatever you do. And you want to fucking change all those variables in 24 hours and you expect everything to be better, right? It's it's almost like in the bodybuilding world yeah. where it's like you prep for 16, 20, 24 weeks and you're throwing, it, it can be a planned, but a planned Hail Mary at the very end in hopes of achieving 100%. And i like, you know, this is where like Lane Norton used to say, like, I'll take somebody at 98% without trying to push for 100% because sometimes the push for 100% is you go to 102, 103%. Mm-hmm. And in bodybuilding, that's death right you spill over you look really blurry and that 100 203% might as well be 80%. Yeah. You know in powerlifting it's like maybe you show up 98% because you didn't manipulate all the variables. But most other people that are trying to manipulate all the variables they're down at like 90%. 100%. And I'll take your consistent yeah. 98% with confidence that will sometimes shoot you to 100% over somebody that's trying to nail 100% from that 90%. Like it's, yeah. You're just taking a leap, man. And, and sometimes you nail it. Like Sometimes it's fucking beautiful and you tell the story and you're like, all the stars align and it's yeah. great. And uh, other times you're like, I don't know what the fuck happened and you're like, I just wasted four months of my life. And that's I would usually, rather avoid that with most people.
0: That's usually what the caption says after their shitty meat. Yeah, yeah. So I just
1: wasted four months of my life. Yeah. It's like, no, you wasted a day which caused you to feel like you wasted four months. And I, I hate that for most people, man. It's it's usually so easily addressable.
0: Yeah, no, there's nothing worse than you're working with somebody for months and months and months. And then they, you know, get off diet a little bit or they kind of miss a few things during the prep. And then they get to meet week and they still want to make that weight class. And, you know, I'm I'm usually on board with like, I'm like, whatever you want to do, I'm going to help for you sure. do, you know what I mean? And even if, even if, I mean, it's rare that I'm gonna be like, no, we're just not doing it because you're going to shit the bed because I, I want to I wanna let them at least like for once, one, one time, if if we fuck it up, then I'm like, all right, remember that last time? We're not doing that again. Do you, but. Do you tell them that going into it? Like, yo,
1: you might really fuck this up or, so or you, do you just like let them experience I'll it? I'll usually just let them experience okay. it. Yeah,
0: I'll usually just kind of be like, all right, if that's what you want to do, that's what I'm going to help you do. But then after that, I give them that one. Now, the next time I'll be like, well. Let's do it my this. way. Yeah, it, it didn't work last time doing what you want to do, so we're going to switch it up, but. I do want to jump into the business aspect yeah. a little bit. I feel like powerlifters, hope you enjoyed all the nutrition aspect. I feel like everyone's going to learn a lot from that. But, yeah, so, yeah, what was kind of the transition from nutrition coach to your coaching other nutrition coaches? Yeah, yeah um,
1: so 2014, I decided I was going to, like, make it, right? Like, I dabbled in nutrition coaching probably – 0405 all the way to like 2014 like 9 to 10 years of just being a complete fuck up right um was really intelligent when it came to nutrition never gave a shit about creating lots of success like i was your prototypical like entrepreneur, like mm-hmm. wanted success and was like yeah like i want all the shit that comes with success but i really was like lazy as fuck and i wouldn't do anything and it was like november 2014 i went to colorado uh i was with my girlfriend at the time we were on a date it was our first like travel trip together um thanksgiving day and i'm like dope holiday like take you on a ski trip like i'm gonna impress you this is cool mm. we go to the grocery store because i gotta get my fucking starbucks like i have to have starbucks every day i went for eight years straight never missed a day Yeah, that's and impressive I, yeah like i honestly only broke it just to break it like and then the next day i started again so <laughs> like i you probably could consider at this point like fucking 11 years Damn. but um anyway i went and it was like I get to the front of the line, I got I ordered my Americano, it's like three dollars and seventy six cents or something like that, and my card declined. And I was like, What the fuck? I'm like, there's no way I'm overdrawn. I'm like, something's up. And like, you know, it was a holiday, they're like, just take it, it's free, it's all good, right? And I'm like walking the aisles and I like look at my banking app and like sure as shit, I'm like overdrawn in my bank account. Twenty seven dollars and five cents. I'll never forget it. Right? And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I'm overdrawn, I'm on a date. I got to tell this girl, like, I'm a fucking degenerate, basically. I have (laughs) no money. I can't manage my finances. You got to pay for Thanksgiving dinner and you probably got to pay for this trip, which is horrible. And I'm like, fuck. Um, For whatever reason, like, we walk all the aisles, we get all the groceries, we get to the front. I look at my app again to, like, just wallow in, like, my own pity. And, like, $500 had, like, cleared in my account, like, a check that I had put in, like, late the night before bank holiday, not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Fuck, like, I got to get my life together. And so I never had to tell her, right? So obviously I went and I paid for the coffee because I felt bad. Got the groceries. um, Was actually able to get, like, my mom to, like, put cash in my account so I could pay for the trip. And I was like, I got to get my life together. Went home and I was like, I got to figure out the business side. And and I did. And that year, uh, within 90 days, I was doing over $10,000 a month. Within 12 months, I was doing a million dollars a year. And... took that business to overthrow I was, I, the first person to my knowledge uh, to take just a one-on-one nutrition consulting business to like north of three million dollars it took that to north of three million annually um, and then in 2017 I was at an event and I was like talking to some people and they were like you gotta take what you do and teach other people to do it and I was like like a certification and they were like yeah and I'm like well there's already those out like I can never write another certification I'm especially like PN like Shout out to John Verratti. We're actually very good friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude wrote like a textbook, full citations. I'm like, I have no, like I'm lazy, dude. I'm not doing that shit. And they were like, figure it the fuck out. <laughs> and I was like, dope advice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I left and I was like, I was driving from LA to Arizona, like halfway in the drive. It hit me. I was like, you don't have to rewrite science. You have to teach people how to apply science. Mm-hmm. And that's when NCI was born. And... Um, I, I went in and I pulled up to my house, ran in the house, like wrote the outline for the cert. It's never changed to this day. Like it was that vivid and, uh, put out a call. 40 people were like, yo, I, I want to do this. I was like, it's a thousand dollars. Cool. Like I was the fastest I've ever made 40 K Yeah. told my assistant. I'm like, Hey, we need to add two more sites. She's like, all right, Austin and DC announced that the next day. We put 40 more spots. Those. I made 120 K in two days. And I'm like, holy shit. Um, and so in July of 2017, we did our, our first cert. And, um, it was amazing. And we did them for, throughout the whole next year. Um, and then people started hitting me up and they're like, all right, they're like, you're teaching me how to be a nutrition coach. You make millions of dollars in nutrition coaching. How do I take what you're teaching me and make money with it? And I was like, I don't fucking know. I was like, uh, do what I do. And they were like, yeah, but like, what do you do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And they're like, teach me. And I'm like, no way. Like, no way, because I had hired the business gurus earlier mm-hmm. on, like, when I was a trainer, and I got burned by all of them, because the majority of business gurus are fucking assholes, yeah. and, like, they, they, they'll take your money and they give you nothing, and I was like, I'm not getting into that crowd, and uh, this one kid, I won't say his name, um, was so, con- like, he was so persistent, and he was, like, he came to a Vegas event, a cert, that I was doing, and he was like, I'm having dinner with you, and I was like, or he's like, I'm talking to you, and I was like, all right, here's the deal. I always go to dinner the night before. You could sit at dinner with me. You have, like, 90 minutes to pick my brain, and that's it. Like, I'll just give it to you that for free. Like, I'll buy your dinner. Like, that's that's what I'll give you. Mm-hmm. At the end of 90 minutes, he's like, I'm going to work with you. And I was like, let me think about it, right? And so I went home, and I was like, I, I genuinely was like, if this kid pays me, can I make sure that I deliver to him? Because I like I would just, I would feel awful if I ever took money for somebody I didn't deliver. Mm-hmm. And... After, like, three weeks of sitting on it, I was like, here's the plan that I think I would implement to help this kid make money. And I called him, and I was like, all right, here's the deal. You can pay me $1,000 a month because that's how much time I'm going to have to invest in this. And if after 90 days you're not more profitable, I'm giving you all your money back, and and we're done. And he was like, fair. And I took the kid from $6,000 a month to $60,000 a month in, like, a year and a half. Damn. And, uh more and more people kept knocking on the door and and I kept delivering similar results. And I was like, all right, I think I know something. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started to realize, I was like, if I help more coaches scale their business, I'll have more impact in this world than if I scale my own business. And so I sold my own business in 2020 and I like really tripled down on this. Um, you know, 20, what are we? 23 right now, 2021, I lost my co-founder of NCI. He passed from COVID. Um, and it was, I, we had kind of gone, he was the education side, I was the business side, um, so I had to replace the education side, um, I'll never replace Travis, like, you know, rest in peace, dude, like, miss you, love you, like, fantastic human being, man, like, Mm -hmm. if you ever met him, he had more passion for the nutrition side of things than, than anyone I've ever met, man, um, but, you know, got an amazing PhD student come in, he's taken over the education side, extremely, extremely intelligent dude, um, he had actually wanted to work for us prior and so it's just a logical transition to him running our yeah. side and it really allowed me to focus on the business side and um i kind of fell in love with it man like i i've seen you know obviously we've taken nci in 2017 was the inception you know 2022 fiscal year we did a little north of 12 million um so you know we were able to go zero to 12 million in less than five years and uh you know i think we're on pace this year we'll do we'll definitely do north of 15 but i think we're, we'll trend towards 20 or 30 in the next two or three years and, uh, and I think that's really scratching the surface. So, um, you know, right now I always say like Alex Hormozzi is documenting like a hundred million to a billion. Yeah. And, and he always says like, he wishes Zucks and Bezos would have mm-hmm. documented a hundred million to a billion. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish Alex would have documented zero to a hundred million. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to document for the world. How do you go from 10 million to a hundred million? Um, and that's, that's what we're in right now. So, um, Just an exciting side of life for me. I think that I I always need something that challenges me. And I think the business world is evolving. And obviously we've had pandemic and we've had all sorts of crazy shit and it's forced you to get really good at your craft.
0: And I've enjoyed that. Yeah, damn, yeah. I feel like, uh, just to jump back a little bit, like so when you were doing, you said you worked up to like 3 million a year. Was that when you were just strictly by yourself? Strictly nutrition, yeah. Yeah. It
1: wasn't just me, I had had, um, God, how many coaches do we get up to? I think we probably got up to like eight or nine coaches okay. on so you staff. you had like a team. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because I was going to say, I'm like, damn. No,
1: at, at my peak, I was doing probably 35 or 36 a month. Um, I had 167 clients. It was the highest my roster ever got. And I literally slept four hours a night. I would wake up at 4 a.m. to start my call, and I would take calls all the way till midnight. Um, and I joke. It's not a joke. It's a truth. But – um i was so like deep in the trenches and i'll never let another coach do this but this is just what the hustle was like i never wanted that thanksgiving day ever again um there's a video of me somewhere back squatting 405 while talking to a client um and uh it was at, it's in a miami gym it was right after waterpalooza uh the guy's name is brian grasso i still actually he's powerlifting right now i still do his nutrition we're very close um and i'll never forget i'm like yo i got 405 on my back and i'm squatting so if it sounds weird for the next couple of minutes like that's why and he's like i love you like let's do this and yeah. um but yeah man i mean I, I grinded it out i just did what i had to do and uh, but that being said it, it was a great learning lesson because i would never let another coach do that like that's the fastest way to tank a
0: business yeah yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to handle. Um, it's the worst idea ever. <laughs> like it was so stupid. With uh, within the transition from like all right, now you're gonna come up with like the coaching. Sure. Uh, Certification. Huh? You said that you did like those 40, then you added like another 40 and another yeah, yeah. 40. And then you said there was like different locations. So like you made these 40 certifications for different locations and then you went and actually- No, so I,
1: I wrote one cert and then I invited people. So we capped attendance at the cert at 40 people. Okay. So 40 people came. Our very first one was Windy City Strength Conditioning in Chicago. 40 people came to Chicago. We did it in person. Um, then 40 people went to Austin and then 40 people came to DC. And okay. so it was just like a one certification class. But- Really, the best takeaway story I could give you on that is like this proves I wasn't good at business yet. Was my first fiscal year in NCI, we did 1.2 million. My second fiscal year, we did 700 grand. So we lost $500,000 in our second fiscal year and that's because I had a following of people that were like, "Yo, You you get results. I want to be like you and then the second year that following I had already churned and burned through it So it's like now I got to sell people that don't know who the fuck I am So like you actually got to get good at marketing and I was like, what the fuck is marketing? (laughs) Like is that asking people for money? I didn't know and so it was like I had to figure that piece out and and I think it's like When I really dove into that that's when I was like, man, this is this is fun.
0: Yeah, what 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 did you dive into to like kind of figure out the marketing aspect cuz I feel like that is kind of like that's 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 it for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you, If people don't know you, if they don't see you, if they don't hear you, you can't really sell them anything.
1: I'm super fortunate I've had I had some really good mentors. Um ironically at the time, I saw Hormozy blowing up and mm-hmm. this is like before Hormozy was Hormozy. I sent him a message on Facebook and I was like, "Hey man, like you're doing great things. I would love to pay you to work with you. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't work with anybody online, just gym owners. He's like, but you should follow this guy, Russell Brunson. He's really good with marketing. And, uh, and that was Alex's first mentor. Hmm. Um, so I looked up Russell, fell in love with marketing. Like Russell is a marketing guy through and through. And I'm like, this is fucking cool. Like you can actually say this and get people to pay you money. I'm like, that's crazy. And, uh, so got into Russell's world, made a little bit of money. Um, and they just had some great mentors, man. Like, I'm a very big believer in mentorship. Like, I spend over a million dollars a year right now on it. Um, and, you know, I, I worked with Russell. I worked with Garrett White. I worked with, you know, John Romanello, Craig Ballantyne, Pedro Cooley. And, like, I've, I've worked with all the all the guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, they all taught me something. And, and I took that and I just wanted to keep growing. Um, I think the biggest mistake people make when they hire a mentor is they, they put this, like, cap as to like, I can only get this close to my mentor. And mine was always to like, all right, I wanna learn from them and then I wanna outgrow everybody and I wanna to continue to outgrow each and every mentor so that I have to get to like the next level. Yeah. And if you think about that in the world, right? Like Tony Robbins didn't have Tony Robbins, like he had Jim Rohn. If you think about like Zucks didn't have Zucks, like Bezos didn't have Bezos, Elon didn't have Elon. And so it's like they had to keep getting somewhere and then going beyond. And like, I just wanna keep going beyond. I wanna elevate this space and like what's possible for coaches because mm-hmm. Five years ago, if you would have told a coach you can make half a million dollars a year, they're like, holy shit, like, that's crazy. And now I feel like coaches almost feel like they're entitled to make half a million, (laughs) which is a gift and a curse. Like, I love that we see that half a million a year annually is a very real possibility. And then I love the entitlement or I hate the entitlement of like, "Yo, like, where's my money? Like, you got to actually work, dickhead. But yeah. that so it's i think it's dope man i always want to set that bar and i want to show people like what's possible and not everyone's going to get there not everybody should be an entrepreneur i'm very very big believer of that a lot of people should probably be a number two or a number three and they should find a company to work for and they should not be resentful that the company wins but um that's a whole nother conversation that we could go into um but it's you know the people that choose to be an entrepreneur man like it's life is limitless and i think that that's that's dope and and i think that's what keeps me going every day
0: yeah yeah i think it's uh always difficult to find people to kind of help you grow so that would be i mean i know i don't i know we got a little bit of a time crunch but like is there anything that you do in particular to find good people like find in austin or it's you got to have good relationships
1: you I, i'm a big believer in overpaying talent mm. like any of my top people you can you can interview them i don't think there's any price negotiation i think like i'm like what do you want to make and they tell me and i'm like cool done and because i don't want them going in the marketplace and thinking they could make more somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't want it to be about making money. And so like if i feel like you're getting what you want out of your job financially, now it's my job culturally and task-wise to give you the right things in a manner that you enjoy it. And i can tell you that like the growth to 3 million dollars a year annually. So what is that? 240 a month, right? Mm-hmm. 250 a month. It's not that it's not that hard. Like it's really not that difficult to get to a 3 million dollar business. The growth from like 3 million to 10 million, it's people and, and I think everybody underestimates how important your culture and your ecosystem and the the SOPs that you put into place are for your ecosystem. And so it was it was learning for me, man. Like I stayed stuck at three million for the better part of a year, like I was like grinding at that like 300 to $400,000 a month mark. And then like, I realized it was people and I went like 300 to a million a month really quick. Uh, Like I went like one month was like 300. Then I did like 600. Then I did like 900. Then I did like a million. And, And it was like, boom, boom, boom. And it was like, fuck it. It was actually easier because I had people doing the right things. Then as entrepreneurs and owners, our ego gets in the way. And we're like, well, why am I doing less? Why do I feel less important in my own fucking business now? And you have to remove that. That's been the hardest part for me. Mm -hmm. Um, We do a quarterly assessment with Alex and Layla at acquisition. And as I was filling out our quarterly form this quarter, um, we have what's called MIT's most important tasks Mm -hmm. for the quarters. And I was putting mine. There's only three. And they all come back to, like, the marketing and the acquisition. And I'm like, fuck, am I that? not important to the company, that all I am is a talking face. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's all I should be. Because behind the scenes, if I have delegated properly and I've empowered properly, our leadership team is doing what they're doing, I should be able to look at those things, quickly address the leadership of the team, and then go be the face to grow the company. And I think a lot of owners struggle with that. Is you have to delegate, you have to give up responsibility, you also have to understand you need to hire people better than you. And we all have fucking egos. So... When you hire someone that's better than you, you're instantly intimidated. And so what do you do? You either, you know, you shit on them, you you don't lead them properly, or you go hire somebody worse than you, which is only going to cap your business. So get your ego out of the way. Hire amazing people. Learn from them and continue to lift them up. Pay them really well. Give them a great environment to work, and you'll never have to worry about them leaving.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out gym staff, so. <laughs> we can have that talk offline, yeah, man. Yeah.
1: You got a really dope person at your front yeah. desk. I can tell you that. Like, that girl should be running operations.
0: Shout out to Casey. She's going to be thrilled to hear that. No, she, she like, is, like, she's really good. In yeah. a
1: five-minute – no shit, dude. Like, in a five-minute conversation coming in this morning, I can tell you from, like, attitude, attention to detail, watching everybody go out the door, and she knew every single person's name. Yeah. I guarantee you she probably knows what's going on in their life. Her previous experience of what she's done and the passion she has for being here, like, she should be running operations. Yeah. And I don't know her formal history, but there should be a growth trajectory to where she's running operations, and then she can – Oversee the two operations directors at the gym and become that manager. Yeah. Right? Like that's what if I was advising you, that's no, where yeah. I would tell you to go. Yeah,
0: funny enough, like that's we recently just had her take more hours, like she's leaving another she left another job to yeah. get more hours here. We're like talking about how she can kinda like grow, take on a bigger role. Dangle so, that carrot, bro. Like a hundred percent
1: like have that vision for her and, and allow her to have some vision as well. And, like, you guys continue to collaborate. But as soon as she becomes you here, yeah. bro, you're golden. Yeah. Now come in here at 10 and work out at 2 because she'll keep everybody away from you. That would be great. Cool. Right? And, like, she will. She'll, she'll do the part. Or, like, people talking to you actually becomes enjoyable because the other parts of your day – it's not so stressful, yeah. right? Because right now, it's just stress. If somebody talks to you while you're working out and you feel like you're fitting in your workout, that's just a stressful environment. Yeah. And now your training session sucks, now the interactions suck, and ultimately the culture goes down. Yeah. But if we can put you in a position where that's not the case, that's really winning. And I think a lot of people, too, you know, there's a margin game that you have to observe. I mean, we could talk about scale in a whole other podcast, but I think a lot of people, they're afraid to lose margin early, but the reality is the reason you're losing margin early is because you haven't planned to lose margin and so i think that you really have to know your numbers in business you have to understand like what is the planned revenue for the next quarter and what am i deploying as part of that planned revenue like what burn can i actually deploy against to hire staff. And so in coaching businesses, I'm a big fan of having cash and continuity, and I only allow you to hire to a certain percentage of your continuity. Therefore, every dollar in cash you take in is net profit, and the percentage of your continuity is net profit. So I've got coaching businesses doing upwards of 40, 45, 50% margin which is unheard of in the coaching space because most coaching companies at scale are doing like thirty percent margin. Yeah, um, I'd rather work less, have less clients, and make more money than make a shitload of top line and just you know spit it all out to other people. Yeah, no, that's noble man. and everything. Like you know, you're yeah. creating jobs, but I, at the end of the day, if I'm putting in the work, I want to get paid too.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, I feel like we could definitely go on and on. Yeah, uh, the information's been incredible. Hopefully, we can get you back at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm only area. three hours away, so we can do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I know you're a busy guy. 100%, bro. Um, do you got If you want to tell our, our following where they can find you, yeah. Instagram, YouTube, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, uh, Instagram is just NCI underscore CEO underscore Jason. That's the worst handle ever. Um, but uh, I had people making fake accounts of me and then reporting me saying I was imitating them. So I lost my account for like three months, which sucked. So I had to build one that was, that they wouldn't want to take. And now they're doing that shit again. So um, I'll never message you asking you to give you financial advice or crypto advice or anything like that. I'll probably never message you unless you ask me a question, Um, but uh, definitely, you know, follow if. If you found this helpful at all feel free to reach out i mean the, the one thing anybody around me will tell you is if you message me if you ask me a question I'll, I'll answer it a million percent like i answer all my own shit no one's got access to my account so um i'm always trying to help as many people as possible man i'm at, I'm at an amazing point in life where uh you know i've done some great things and i just want to pay it forward and i think that the trajectory this industry is going is super dope and to hopefully lead some of that is, is pretty cool too
0: yeah no yeah i would highly recommend you guys check out his instagram even if you want like the short form content like I went hard multiple nights, (laughs) like 500 videos, I feel like. And it's all like useful information. You just like find yourself like, wow, that was helpful. That was helpful. So I feel like there's not a lot of accounts out there that actually put out value. So make sure you check them out, guys. I appreciate it again. And uh, we'll see you next time.